Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet. Often entertaining. Rarely conservative. Frequently informative. Occasionally occasionally interesting. Occasionally interesting. Occasionally interesting. If there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? Uh, virtue signaling on the internet. <laughs> oh, wait, and again, so that is just, is it about the commentary when they share something? Can you share something and if you don't have a commentary on it? No, it's not the commentary. Or no? Okay. I just don't think it's, it's helpful, a lot of people, what people are doing on the internet, especially on Facebook. And... My friends who are intelligent people are still posting um, a lot of misleading information and, and whatnot, and they're doing it to show that they're good people. Like they, and they're doing it five, six times a day. And I, I think it, uh, leading up to the 2016 election, we had a, um, you know, it became very apparent that this was not just a joke. Like that, this misleading information is serious and that it can lead to Trump being elected, you know, like that's a major part of why I don't want to get all into politics and stuff, but, uh, you know, my, my friends post the most stupidest shit I've ever seen. And they like, for example, I have this one friend, I'm just addicted to her, her, her page, even though I've unfriended her, but she posts every, every single thing. <laughs> she posts everything to public anyway, so I can still see everything because she's that she has that much of an ego yeah. when it comes to her virtue signaling, right? So every day she might she might post ten times a day, and like when the my favorite one was when Brazil, you know, when the rainforest was being burned. I'm sure it still is. I don't think that 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 problem's over. <laughs> We've just moved on to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So after posting um, for a decade, uh, five, six, seven times a day about American imperialism, fucking war mongers, uh, all this shit. <laughs> During the 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 Brazil crisis, she she put up this post with the caption something like this or yes. Or something like that, and it it was a meme that said that uh, we shouldn't that we should invade Brazil. Well, it, you remember that? It said Bolsonaro, we should we the Western nations or something like that should get together, and we should say we should say, look, Bolsonaro, you either let us come in with our firefighting equipment or it's war, and I'm serious. And she's she posts this like, oh, oh, you think that we should invade a South American nation, right? We, we should invade a South American nation and over their natural resources. This is what you've come to. So, you've, you, you know, when they say, like, uh, left and right, it's not, it's, it's a circle, really, right? Like, you can come all the way around where now you're actually right wing. You're, you're the fascist, right? Uh, that was that was one of my favorite posts. When you said virtue signaling, like I mean, the only way that I really interact with Facebook is maybe once a month. To, if I read a very very powerful news article or find something particularly troubling, I'll yeah. I'll post it. Um, 
I certainly don't do it five times a day. And he gets zero. Inter- he gets interaction Z- from me and my mom. Zero <laughs> interaction. I don't. I don't do it with the expectation of people liking. It. I don't even do it with the expectation of people reading it. But I figure I've done something by being like, guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, her reasoning for posting that is not that it's a well thought out uh, opinion. That it's like it's all emotion. Like it's all just a a way for her to show that I care about the environment deeply. Yeah. That I'm, you know, I care about it so much that I'm willing to murder Amazonian tribes people, <laughs> yeah. right? We're going to go in with our tanks. Like, what? what's the, you know, like, we, we hate Trump for his short-sightedness when it comes to invasion, you know, with his whole thing around. Like, like, I don't really believe that he understands the consequences of what, like, the chain of the ripple effect that these types of things will happen. And she's just like him in that way, exactly like him. She doesn't think about well, what happens when you go in with heli- with our massive Canadian military, our, <laughs> our helicopter. You take our helicopter and you just start like bombing of, of like, a, like a village in, in the Amazon. And, and you're like, look, you guys aren't taking care of this, so we're going to take care of it. Um, what's the implications of that? Like what's going to happen after that? You know, she doesn't, she doesn't think that far. And... And if you asked her, she would just say, I, you know, I don't think that far. I, that's, she, she wouldn't even deny it. I had another friend during that, that whole time say, uh, uh, I was like, she, she wrote, you know, the media is not covering the Amazon thing. And I think that's bullshit. And, and I'm like, you know, it's the biggest news story in the world. Yeah, like I, if you go on, I, 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 I was how like, many people I saw bitching about how nobody was talking about yeah, it. Yeah, like, that, that happens all the time. It's like who, where are you getting your news from? Because I see it on all the ma- uh, every major mainstream news source. It's their biggest story in the world right now. They love this shit, and so I said to her, you know, it's the biggest story in the world right now, and she said, I what I she literally just said what I meant was I don't see it on my newsfeed, and I'm like, oh, so you're just you you have no shame about that. Like, like you, you're, you're essentially saying I get all my news from Facebook and you're just think that that's okay. Kind of like, and that, oh, I, well, I, I don't see it though. I don't see it from my friends. I don't, I'm like, so you don't follow any, you don't read any, any news. She's like, no, I, I don't. So this yeah. is a problem. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, you know, but, but where do you turn to? Do you go to MSNBC or Fox news to get your news? I watch, uh, I, I watch, I subscribe to Fox News on my, I mean, I'm a left-wing person, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I look at what they're talking about. It, it's a great interest to me to know how they're reacting to to Iran, how they're, and how, you know, MSNBC is, is reacting to it. But I, 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 I look at what they're doing. I, yeah, but I don't look at that as news. I look no. at that as, as, as social, like, what's, what's the social conversation going to be? Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with reality. It's just like, okay, what are what are what are the two sides talking about? Yeah. They are not talking yeah. to each other. They're in completely different conversations. Yeah, I'm sure you guys will agree that you're you know you should take every single every single thing that happens in the news. You need to look at the the nuanced part of it and try to understand the context, not act emotionally. Anyway, long answer to a question. <laughs> well, the next question is, what's the most annoying thing about people? Um, hmm. There's so many goddamn annoying things. 
<laughs> I appreciate that reaction. Most people are like, oh, I can't think of a single annoying thing that people do. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I might go back to the whole thing about criticism again. That's probably an- answered that. They that don't criticize they enough? They don't criticize and they don't receive criticism well. I don't try to improve improve things, you know? Like, um, people get so... Like, they stagnate. They They don't... I mean, I know for a fact that... Like, I don't like to post any political opinions or anything on, on the internet, or very ra- rarely. Occasionally, I can't help myself. But I know that I, five years ago, I wasn't the same person as I am at all. And five years before that, I wasn't the same. I, all my opinions were totally naive. Like, I look back and I'm embarrassed that that person, and in five years from now, I'll listen to this and go... You know, what the fuck was that guy talking about? But that's but, the goal, uh, right? Self-improvement. Yeah, I always I mean, think your former self was an idiot asshole. Constantly evaluating, constantly trying to improve, constantly looking for the truth and, and you know, nuance in the arguments. Uh, yeah. I think people get, yeah, they get stuck in one one type of thinking. I feel like you keep on, like, leading us into the next question way too well. It's weird. <laughs> What is something that's really popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Yeah, again, I think just just the way that we are handling social media right now is uh, will come back to haunt us. That the damage that we're doing, the 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 way democracy is being destroyed. Yeah, the way people actively subvert themselves on 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 social media and whatnot uh yeah i I don't know if that's a really good answer to the question maybe you're looking for like i I thought you were gonna say virtual signaling i mean that's um (laughs) what do you think do you think there's a solution there i mean i don't have a great way of dealing with it i mean i think the only way you can really deal with it is to get a smarter populace that knows how to think critically and and looks at news critically Mm -hmm. and but I don't see that happening anytime Not, soon. It seems to be getting worse, yeah. yeah. There's one thing we've identified for sure, especially since the 2016 election, is that we have a stupid problem. And I mean stupid people problem. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost as though, yeah, like these political super PACs or whatnot, they, they have identified that if they just target people's ignorance they can get a lot more votes and and that's exactly what they did you know with brexit and whatnot they the, these companies identified stupidity real you know they just realized the truth and we need um, more critical thinking more people to stop watching these stupid television shows and start engaging and thinking and um yeah that so what you're saying is we're fucked. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, I, I think that I, that Facebook especially is, you know, like we put democracy in the hands of a corporation, right? They didn't build Facebook for the good of all people. They built it to make my, a corporate with corporate interests, right? Here's my fear, though. And, so that's true. <laughs> that's not going to change. I mean, so Hopefully. and and it's a problem. So either we educate our, our 
our populace on how to think critically and, and you know re- which we've said is probably unlikely to happen anytime soon or we take over facebook i don't see any other yeah like a one nas- of those is like gonna a... have to happen or we just continue to let you know it go the way that it's going and that's not a great yeah. you know so those seem to be the only three likely outcomes yeah yeah one of them would work it would just take too long but the other two are really scary <laughs> yeah yeah you mean like put Facebook, take it out of the hands of Zuckerberg and put it in the hands of the government? As, that's what I mean. Yeah. In a way, right? Yes, that's kind of. But like it's not very American. It's, no, that's <laughs> that's pretty. That's equally scary. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I think it's more scary. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's that's pretty fun, especially. But on know, the other hand, you're like, what's another solution? Because you you know any you can see the harm it does, right? Like, there's a great great deal of harm. You now they're letting foreign agents use use it to to target uh so that you know you can't you can't have that happening so but what are you gonna do like outlaw a company i don't know the solution i'm not an expert yeah i mean there's the organic solution of create smarter smarter people (laughs) that takes a long time yeah you know there's i guess the other option would be to have it all done covertly have the cia do it (laughs) yeah well (laughs) Which is probably what's gonna, you know, like all right, all right. Well, let's take, you know, I mean, but let's be real. Has the elections really ever been in the hands of the people? Yeah, like, true. They they pick, but here here's two people that you can pick from. Right. Doesn't really fucking matter. So have fun. True. Like, true. You know. But now we we know, it's. I mean, this isn't conspiracy theory. We know that there are foreign agents like who are using Twitter, like fifty percent. I mean, I don't know if that's, but a massive percentage. I read fifty percent recently yeah, is bots. Something outrage. It was scary. It's not even. It's yeah. Not, yeah, you're just dealing with, with with not even even humans anymore. A lot of the time, or people. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're just targeting. They they call it. You guys, ever, you know the persuadables. You guys heard this term, the persuadables. No, <clears throat> like not. with Brexit and whatnot, they they, these organizations like the. Uh, what do you call it? The, inter- the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, agency, the the Russian, uh, thing. Not not the IRA, the uh, from Ireland. But um, I was gonna say. Yeah, they 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 identify these people like my friend who will just retweet or repost everything she sees that she agrees with. Right. That's why I come back to this. Right. Like she, she agrees with it, and she wants you to know, hey, this is this person wrote something I agree with. And she, she'll just, without, they just, on a motion, just retweet and repost these, these things. And, and these companies have identified them as, as tools they can use to, you know, if they, if they, if, if she posts enough weird, like if she posts the thing about uh, the Amazon, that she wants to invade the Amazon, it pushes me to the right. Mm. Because I go, look, I, th- I always thought I was a left-wing person, but... If she's left wing, I'm not. Yeah. I'm nothing like her, yes. right? Totally, I, we've had so it creates this. A lot. Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not saying anything, any new information. No, but, no, but no, she, no, no, it no, creates no. Yeah, a totally. division. The division gets wider slowly, just inches wider and wider, till I'm like, I don't know who you are anymore. But I, I but you're the fascist. Yeah, I'm not the fascist. You're the fascist here. <laughs> yeah. 
polarization. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, and the, it's scary how good they've gotten at it now. I mean, with the with Facebook, with all the information that they have about us, it's yeah. it's. I'd, I'd rather the CIA be doing it. At least, at least then it would have our like nationalistic agenda rather than the Russians. Like, yeah, you would yeah. assume at least that there'd be some benefit in it for us if it was the CIA doing it and not a not the not another foreign power. I mean. Sure. All right. Um, what is your favorite thing about yourself? Uh, I hate myself. That's no, your favorite um, thing about yourself? Is that you hate yourself? No. I I mean, I, I just... No, I... It's a weird question. You know, like maybe it is for everybody, but I, I, I just go around most of the time just... I just pretty much despise myself at all times. Um... So because are you are you on a path of self improvement? Are you like I can't believe I just no. did that? <laughs> you just I'm a, on a path now, of self destruction. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I love, I like the fact that I can uh, tell a good story. I like that I'm driven with my photography, and. That sort of thing. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I when I'm doing those things, I, I do feel good about myself or for, for I get a if I get a good a good photo that was an honest photo and then I, I can tell a, a good story with, I, I feel like a lot of satisfaction, but it doesn't take long. If I, if I get something really good, I get, I get about a week of feeling great about myself and then everything starts starts to go to shit again um yeah but no i definitely suffer with depression uh quite a lot and i don't take the necessary steps to to figure that out why not why not i don't know laziness um I'm scared of doing like something that hard, that difficult. Scared of doing the work. Yeah, I don't want to do the work. And living in here in tropical paradise, it just lets me. Yeah, it's like it's weird how one can be unhappy in this situation. <laughs> it's like it's like all Wherever humans. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cliche for sure. Yeah, you're always yourself. It doesn't matter if you're in a hammock on the beach or if I'm in a snowstorm in Canada, I am who I am. And I mean, I'd like to think that I can snap myself out of this at some point, but right now I'm definitely not, not doing the work, the needed work to do it. Um, let me try to think of something though. Uh, I'm very forgiving. Like if somebody I can hold a grudge pretty well, but I, I, I can, if somebody does something to me, I very, very take a lot of pride in my ability to, to, to forgive, forgive and, and forget. Um, because I know how much I've hurt people. So, and I, I want to give them the, you know, the same, the same thing that people have given me when I've made a huge mistake or or whatnot so mm -hmm. yes 
I will forgive you <laughs> if you if you wrong me. Usually. Usually. There's some cases that's not true. Anyway, yeah. What's your most embarrassing story from childhood? Um Like how far do you how far to take it? <laughs> the furthest, most most embarrassing. I don't know. Like, I have a memory of being in gym class uh, when I was in grade seven, um, and one of my friends, uh, John Sturton, his name was, pulled my pants down, underwear too, right in front of this girl who I really liked. I think he he knew, and um, and that was really really embarrassing, but. More embarrassing than that is, like, calling my mom a cunt. Mm. Uh, not apologizing Seems for it. Like shame. Yeah, that's shame. But it's, but it, I, it's the same thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not treating my parents well, things like that. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really, yeah, that's, I guess that's more shame than if you want an embarrassing story. Then. Yeah, embarrassing's more funny. Shame is, like, yeah. awkward. <laughs> 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 yeah, if I've always said, I mean, I just said I was a very forgiving person, but if John Sturton, if I ever see you again, I don't pull, care how old we are. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like that episode of Friends where Julia Roberts comes back and pulls oh. Chandler's pants down. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. She well, she she leaves him stranded naked because he pulled her pants down. Or no, with he's wearing her underwear. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that episode. <laughs> Jeez. Come on, I watched Friends. She had Friends on the other day, and I was like, "It's weird to watch Friends now." I don't know. It, Why? I don't know. I would watched now. it so much. It was like my new girl. You know? Yeah, it was my Same. You know, background noise for a while. And now it's just it feels different. What is the book that has most influenced your life? Um, Bluebeard by Kurt Vonnegut. Nice. You guys know that book? Answer. Yes. A long oh, yeah, time ago. My favorite, I lived in Indianapolis for a while. That's where he's from. And oh, yeah. He's a, a namesake restaurant about him called, really? called Bluebeard. It was my favorite really? favorite restaurant in Indianapolis. It's like really? Kurt Vonnegut themed, the, the menu. It's all like Kurt Vonnegut references. And it was fantastic food. It's like decorated with typewriters and like all this cool stuff. Yeah, if you ever, if you ever find yourself in Indianapolis or the Midwest, Take a quick pop over to Indianapolis and check out Bluebeard. You just blew my mind right now. A bluebearded your mind. Because I've never even heard anybody ever mention that book before. Yeah. I don't think it's one of his more well-known books. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I guess. I, yeah. I feel like I. Yeah, it's about art. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that book. Uh, I always try to get people to read it when. When we you start talking about Vonnegut with somebody, he's yeah he's it's there. I don't like all of his books, you know. Like I I don't like Galapagos, I don't like a few of them, but the ones I I like I I really really like. And this one is, yeah. man, it's a great story. Yeah, it's about art. I like most of his books are about a writer who's writing a book. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and usually he's a veteran of some war. Right, what you know. Hmm. Right, what you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what she was in real life, right? Mm. Yeah, read this book, Bluebird, Bluebeard. Wonderful. And also visit the restaurant in India. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Man, I didn't know that. I'm glad I could inform you. 
you often find yourself in the Midwest? No, never been. Well, I've driven through. Have you been but... to America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah. Whereabouts? I've driven through. I've driven across um, twice, like on I feel my like way. It's hard to avoid Indianapolis. That's why you ended up there, is because you drive on through. I don't remember being in Indiana. I guess there's a more southern. I guess it depends on where you're going. If you're trying to get to Philadelphia, then you have to go through Indianapolis. Uh, maybe maybe you never tried to get to Philadelphia. Hang a left before that. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I've been to. I've been to America lots of times. Yeah, not for a few years, but. Indianapolis might be my favorite airport. It's really nice and new and clean, oh, yeah. and fantastic restaurants at the airport, which you can't say for anywhere in Asia. So. Yeah, go to Indianapolis. All enjoy right. yourself in the airport. Take a quick pop over to Bluebeard and come back. Yeah. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> That's all you need to do. No, there's like two other things there. Yeah. <laughs> what what life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? Um, motorcycle riding and uh, photography. It's like literally balanced. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. No, I find uh, my dad was a big biker. And he, you know, we had a legacy. Like when we were, me and my brother were 10 years old, or I was 10, he, we w- woke up and there was like dirt bikes under the Christmas tree or beside the Christmas tree. And that was, wow, that was one of the only things I did with my dad as a kid was he would take us out after school out to the countryside kind of, and we'd go riding around on these bikes. Aww. And he would just let, let us, he could he take jumps and uh, that Christmas... I remember he just he let us like we had a fairly large backyard and he 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 let us ride the bikes unsupervised mm. like we were just ripping around the backyard and stuff on them and out out on the on the street and stuff which I don't think parents would do anymore but there's a great TED talk titled something like the five things you should let your children do it's the, the the essence of the talk is you should let your kids do dangerous things essentially yeah. and, and you know I play with fire, <laughs> you know, all those things that are pivotal moments. I'm like, you know, I get to, there's been trust given to me and like, you know, yeah. go out there and get to experience the forces was, of the yeah. universe. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I used to do a lot of meditation. I really got into Buddhism in, in, in college, but I, I kind of got away from it, but I find the same effect happens to me when I've been on the bike for about two hours Mm. maybe anything more than like two hours you really start to to your mind really goes to some places and like I love I ride my I've ridden all across Thailand multiple times I've gone to Cambodia six times from here on my bike Uh, I've driven across Vietnam and everything Uh, I just wrote a story for travel and leisure uh, in July about riding from here to the east of Cambodia uh, on the bikes, on on a small bikes, and yeah, I lo- I love it. And yeah, after about two hours, you really start to talk to yourself and form. After a week of riding, you ride like six, eight hours a day. You really start to form a relationship with yourself, where you really, uh, really talk. You can really have back and forth conversations and you know you really come face to face with a lot of, a lot of things same as with uh, meditation I, I think a lot of people get that that result out of it i think i think that's why men love motorcycles so much is is like even when you have a passenger you're still by yourself 
you know you, you it's still time time to yourself you know like you you're inside the helmet and you just start to yeah i love that so much do you have any similar experience when driving a car no i don't no. not at all no i'm more distracted i i think and you can kind of yeah you're inside of this thing uh while any even two seconds of non you know inattention on the bike you will probably Perish. die yes <laughs> so it's like um yeah again like the buddhist thing where they do these tasks you know they'll the monks will do these very simple tasks where they just have one small small task to do and they they'll do it and then uh and then just destroy it or whatever you know they'll uh yeah, like moving one f- a pillow, like all the feathers in a pillow from one pillow to another, or something like that, just to yeah, it's the same thing. Like it's exact. I think so. I, I get I feel a l- so much more productive though. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're getting somewhere. But I feel wonderful when I'm out there. That's when I'm happiest. Probably is when I'm on the bike alone, getting in adventures, talking to people, trying to just trying to get food, trying to eat, trying to sleep. I love those times, and I like I like to do it by myself, too. Yeah, it's a massive. I feel a great accomplishment when I when I'm done. Yeah, travel photography, man. That's what that's what they pay you to do. It's a dream, dream come true. So you you uh. You say that you felt depressed and that you used to meditate, but don't meditate. That's kind of your form of meditation now. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Do you think that when you're meditating more more habitually, that how do you think that that impacted your rate of depression? Back in the day. Sure. Um. Yeah, I think it helped. I, I yeah, definitely. I mean. Yeah, back then I I was just when I was doing a lot of meditation I would, yeah it was new for me so it was still kind of exciting. Uh, I I, th- I definitely think it it helped. Like when you first get introduced to to Buddhism and meditation, when you start to learn about the wisdom that they they kind of that they've you know discovered over all this time. There's a lot a lot there, for sure. But I, I, I stopped doing it because um, I would go, I used to go to this, uh, like a meditation group and like a Dharma study group a couple of times a week when I was in college. But I felt so like, um, I would ask questions to my teacher and, but I would be, it would be selfish. Like I was only asking her about these things that I felt I already knew the answer to, to show the rest of the group that I was deep. And then I, I think I have deep thoughts, and I've read a lot of books and, and whatnot. And I, I noticing other people were doing that too. And I thought, yeah, there's like, like the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. I'm like, I don't, I don't need the, the Sangha part. I don't know what that is. Like the like the group of monks, oh. you know, or the group of the, uh, okay. the, the community of interesting of other people. Uh, it's like in Zen Buddhism. It's, it's like. But I, I read some book some about Zen, and it was like, just do it. Like, stop talking about it so much. Because to talk about it is, you can really become selfish in your, or it can be impure. Like, your study of this thing 
Like, just instead of talking about it so much, just remove all that and just just do it. Just just do it on your own or or whatnot. Mm-hmm. What he was just expressing with everybody kind of, uh, you know, asking questions or stating things to all feel like, you know, they, they're trying to be deep and, you know, or is exactly what I feel like. Yeah. 90% of uh, AA meetings is... It's all, it's, and it's genuine, you know, it's, it, Are you not it, it is a certain depth to it. I've been to AA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Certainly runs in my family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, my dad was a big AA guy. And me, Alateen. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Very yeah. nice. Ever since I was... 12 till I was like 16 or something. We were just doing the podcast with him before you came. And uh, uh-huh. I think we just, I was, I was saying that, you know, I really love the, the AA program, the 12 step program. Yeah. And one of the main problems is it's filled with a bunch of drunks. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, so what happens when you, like when, what do you mean? You know, you get like, in, and, and this is, it's, it's sort of, it's a blessing, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause you know, there is, people repeat it you hear the same stories over and over again and it's, it's you can tell that there's a certain there's a certain vibe that people take on where they're just sort of you can tell that they're saying it to to seem deep or cool mm-hmm. or you know and it's not it's not this sort of selfless vulnerable and you do get the, i mean and there's like i said it's the there's there's a minority of people that are are genuinely vulnerable because they need to be in that moment in order to save their life and that's yeah. like holy shit that was really powerful those moments are are worth the rest of it honestly but the majority of it is just a bunch of people you know and i mean and there's different groups there's different you know but the majority of my experience, and I've went to a variety. You know, I like gratitude meetings. Gratitude, I think it's hard. But even gratitude meetings, it's like, yeah, man. Like it's just kind of like, all right, I'm so sick of this. Like, we we get it, you get it. Okay, let's move on. Like, yeah, it's just it gets tiring for me. Phil, right. you feel free to steal the microphone if you have a rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, for people that don't know, we're sitting beside Trevor's dad. <laughs> I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah. please speak. Yeah, you're... I'm thinking about the uh, there was a there was a group that was put together a number of years ago by some AA members who were tired of dealing with new people because they basically are doing what you what you're talking about. So you had to have 20 years or something of continuous sobriety to be a member of this group, and it immediately collapsed on itself because it just it had no it had no meaning anymore. Uh, it didn't have the new people who were doing the thing you were talking about. And without that, the meaning just fell apart. And they went back to to the, the original concept of the meaning being open to everyone. So it's curious. It's just a curious Absolutely. Thought. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, because there's a certain, I don't know, it's not all bad even to have it be like, you know, like... Yeah, and then there becomes this hierarchy, and then that hierarchy has advantages and disadvantages of like, yeah, I got this. Well, I tell you, when I when I'm like when I'm slip. in trouble emotionally, and I need a spiritual lift, mm-hmm. I take myself to a rehab meeting. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's, okay. a, what's a because rehab meeting? I'm in a in a recovery institution, so the people there are raw. You know, they've got less than thirty days. 
and they're they're institutionalized. They didn't They've done something bad enough to become institutionalized. Right. <laughs> and those are very powerful meetings. And I I leave that meeting uh, filled with joy for my sobriety, for the fact that they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Uh, I find it very hopeful. Hmm. And whatever bad karma I had coming into the rehab is long gone because I'm in a much better place than anybody else in the, in the, in the place. And you say, is that mostly from because you're seeing people in such dire straits and you're getting to have a better perspective and appreciation for where you're at in your That's part journey? of it. That's part of it. Or is it uh, that they're in dire straits and they have a vision of hope that... I look at them and I realize that they're me. And that if they're successful, they don't ever have to feel this way again. And someday they'll be coming back to this meeting again, saying that to the next crop of alcoholics. And right. that's a very that's a very uplifting feeling. Hmm. That's the beauty. I mean, the vulnerability. And when somebody's vulnerable, what's so intoxicating about that is you suddenly see yourself in them. And that is, you know, this connection that is just so powerful. That's the beauty of AA, yeah, and sure and is. those meetings and those rooms and 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 Al-Anon and Alteen is is you don't get that genuine vulnerability often in our societies, and that's something that should be protected and cherished, and is worth it's worth seeing. You know, even if you're not an alcoholic, go to an open meeting and see what yeah. we're talking about. You know, I have been critical of AA meetings. I, 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 there are there's a tremendous positive side that I but they are yeah I've been to a few because I used to go with my dad when he'd get a new pin hmm. and I just remember them being uh, hilarious yeah like the storytelling and and whatnot I can see what you're saying your point too but um you hear about comedians going to AA meetings to work on their <laughs> stuff right <laughs> that's a real thing you know yeah, there was, there was one yeah. that I remember. Uh, this guy, he's a, uh, he's uh, he's he's loaded, and he goes to he work. I think he, he there's a there's a hardware store above a bar or something like this. He goes to steal stuff from the the hardware store, and he's picking up hammers and shit. But he had climbed in through the window, so the the air conditioner had fallen, and it had woken or had alerted people in the bottom bar or whatever to his presence upstairs. So they call the cops, and he sees the red and blues. He throws on a fucking apron. The cops come in. <laughs> Can I help you, officer? <laughs> like he's fucking working there at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, you hear some great stories. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And when John jumped out the window, he jumped out a second-story window, and he was ended up in a psych ward, on suicide watch, and he couldn't convince him that he was he was not suicidal. What was happening? He was having a, the DTS. And he was trying to get away from the rats. The DTs. Delirium tremens. When you when you stop drinking, you can start. Uh, you can have like a psychotic break, uh -huh. yeah. and you start to see and see things. Yeah. And he was trying to stop drinking on his own, okay. and he went into the DTs, and there were rats everywhere, and they were chasing him. Oh man! And he jumped out of the window just to get away from him. Uh. <laughs> but he had a hell of a time kind of convincing people. I'm not, I, that was not suicidal. That was like... <laughs> Self-preservation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think people are people, and everybody has an ego, and uh, 
a lot of people, if you give them, you know, a platform, a microphone, they're going to yeah, blow certainly. smoke because that's the way that we learn to relate to each other. And uh, being that doesn't mean I need to go spend an hour of my life with it. I'm just saying. In any in any given community, whether it's a college Buddhist yeah, group or a anybody who is especially coming together on a path to self improvement yeah. is wanting to feel is validation that oh yeah yeah you're 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 the best on this path to self improvement you're doing it great yeah, yeah. You, you should be should teaching this class, class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 for sure yeah do you want a job here. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's what. Maybe what I don't like it is seeing myself in that and being like, I don't know, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the most environmentally thing you do or would like others to do? Environmentally friendly. Um, ride the motorcycle only. Um. Uh. I've been wondering about that. So, is that environmentally? Do you know if this is environmentally friendly? Like, I assume it that there's a certain way less gas than a way car. less gas. But like, when you like the exhaust then, system, do they like with the lack of? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But like, they don't have like a catalytic converter, which they do. Uh, they don't do, they? don't they? I don't know. I thought cat. I thought they were big. I don't know. But like, I don't think sitting they in that traffic in Chiang Mai with a bunch of exhaust, just like it feels worse than if I were to imagine standing in a. I don't. I have Are. no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, though. The Songtao's in Chiang Mai don't have catalytic converter. They, they're oh, just really? yeah. They're just spewing full power. <sighs> no, the motorcycle's definitely mass, yeah. much more environmentally. However, I do take some flights, so yeah. I probably shouldn't yeah, shouldn't pat myself on the back too much. Uh, you can yeah, switch to a bicycle. That's probably a much greener option. But I go through like three or four liters of petrol every two weeks or 10 days or something. You know, that's, that's nothing. I see what's going on back home, like thousands and thousands of people. They're all one person to a car. But, um, yeah. I believe it hasn't caught on over. I think that's going to be the next. I think, I think scooters are going to make their heyday. Well, it's too cold to run from. You can't go anywhere because it's snowing 10 months of the year. Yeah, Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Anything under 20... 25 degrees or yeah it's uh it's too cold for the bike what uh what keeps you from being a shining example of environmentalism um i'm probably distracted by all my depression and (laughs) whatnot no i uh laziness the same reason i don't do don't try to improve anything else in my life Uh, it sounds like you do try to improve a lot of things yeah i know you keep saying these things and it's like oh yeah you know i to meditation groups and <laughs> read a whole bunch of bo- books on Buddhism. And... Yeah, then why, why, why am I not ever, ever happy? That's the question. Well, have you ever. considered stopping drinking? Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't really worry about the drinking so much because, like, I'm actually. I was just thinking to myself the other day that I'm. I've just. I've never. I'm just lucky. I feel lucky because of my long history of alcohol abuse in my family that I'm I'm not an alcoholic, which is so great because I love drinking. Like I love like five, six times a week. No, just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I actually don't 
don't don't drink that much, and I don't I don't keep any alcohol in my house. I, I don't ever. I, I drink when we when we have gigs, which is yeah, like three times a week or something. And maybe one of those nights I'll get drunk. Uh, but definitely it was in like growing up, alcohol was like when I was like fifteen, sixteen, I was already getting in trouble at school for being drunk at school and stuff. We're like. Alcohol was completely forbidden in my house. So even when I was like 25 years old, if you went to my parents' house, you weren't allowed to have any alcohol there, which made it so enticing, right? Just so, like when we were like, even like 12, 13, 14, because my dad quit drinking when I was eight. So, uh, but I just wanted to know what it was like, like desperately wanted to drink and get drunk. And even me and my brother, but then, and I wouldn't try marijuana. I just, I wouldn't, I just, I don't know, there was something about it that I just just didn't like. I didn't didn't like smoking. Like, I've never had a cigarette in my entire life. Uh, but then uh, uh, I tried marijuana when I was probably almost 18, and that was, like, such a, a weight. Like, I was like, this is so much better, like, to, to not be hungover. And I swear, you know, marijuana saved me from... Like, I definitely would have been drinking all day for sure be uh if, if i didn't if i hadn't discovered marijuana so i don't know i just think for me i i just don't think i was meant to go through life completely sober <laughs> uh yeah i mean who am i talking to here but <clears throat> yeah like what marijuana definitely saved me from a life definitely working in like a factory in my hometown mm. i would have probably gotten married when i was like way too young and everything would have been horrible. While with marijuana, things haven't gone exactly. It could have been better, but life is pretty good. And I, I feel, yeah, I feel, feel good about that. But yes, maybe I should try going completely sober. What do you, what do you mean uh, when you said you're not sure if you were meant to go through life sober, I think was the... I just have always felt that it's um, it's meant, yeah, like um, it's gonna be something. I, I I can't take it, man. Like I can't handle this life. It's it's too much pain. Like there's too. Ever since I can remember, I've just been in pain, and. Um, I, I can't. Fo I can't. It's too much to focus on. I, ha I have to do something to to take it away. And it, it hasn't been alcohol for me, but it's been other drugs. You know, there's. It's not just marijuana. It's. It's there's other other drugs. I, I think that when we're living here, there's definitely an easy access to to drugs, to pharmaceutical drugs, um, and. Those things have been yeah, definitely a crutch for me that keeps me <clears throat> from doing the best work that I can or that have the relationships that I need to that I need to have. But I've always kind of been under this like things could be a lot worse, you know, like for me. And although I do, yes, I spend a lot of time in bed thinking like I I I'm either going to die or I need to get out of bed and try to do something about this and I just haven't got to a place yet where I can do that hmm. but 
Yeah, I think that there's a, a big drug problem going on here that nobody talks about. Here in Pi specifically? Yeah, in all these kind of traveler communities. Like pharmaceutical mm. drugs? Yeah. I, I didn't know about this at all. Yeah, I, didn't, I thought they had cracked down on that in Thailand. I didn't think no, that. no, you can... They, they they do. It's it's not as easy as somewhere like say Cambodia, but definitely you can go to the pharmacy here and get certain drugs that are banned in in uh, like next time you're out, mention like like Valium around a table of people and watch the reaction. Like people will, they're experts on Valium, mm-hmm. right? People are they know everything about. You'll, someone will go. Oh, like I'm not sure. Is tramadol? Uh, is it a barbiturate? Or and someone will go. Oh no, it's a it's a it's an opi it's a opioid. It's from this fam. Like they they're experts on. Like you'll hear people. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, I think I think it's going on a lot more. Like I, I know some things are are happening, but uh, yeah, people don't talk about that aspect of living here that much. They it's too easy to keep it. I know that I mostly keep it to myself. I haven't heard about this at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought everyone came to Pai just to do mushrooms. The demon, the demon lives in the dark. Yeah, it lives in the dark. Yeah, exactly. Mushrooms are out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. The, that's the public one. So. <laughs> They're good. Sure, sure. Hmm. Um, yeah, I certainly would like to take care of it and to, yeah, become that person I know I can become but I'm just I don't know I'm not haven't hit bottom yet or haven't uh, I'm not sure not sure the reason why but it's it's definitely a major problem and I need to to sort sort it out as soon as possible but I don't know as they say in the room so the bottom's when you stop digging yeah, yeah. put down the shovel good accent thank you there's times I was I'm sure so many people have this thought when it comes to groups and whatnot that my problems aren't bad enough for me to go to yeah. uh like how am i i'm gonna what a, i'm gonna go if sam like i'm i smoke pot every day for sure you know and say that's keeping me from doing my best the the best photography i can do or whatnot i mean i'm gonna go to a group of meth addicts Right. People that like killed their son in a in a accidentally in a car crash or is something. I'm gonna go and like be like oh, I smoke pot too much or something. You know, it's it seems ridiculous to do, and I'm sure I'm not the only only person who's ever had that thought before they go to uh, some sort of Definitely meeting or not. something. Yeah. That's the main thing I've heard from people who I try to convince to go and they go to one, then they come out saying, well, now I know for sure I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. You don't take those people to the rehab meetings. <laughs> take them to the gratitude meetings. Or the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with with relationships, it's, it's been a real problem. That's mostly, I can't, it's so selfish, you know, like, I'm just so I'm so used to being by myself and being so comfortable. I got so good at it, and now, yeah, like with yeah my partner now, I I can't. I have such a hard time. I need to to give her what she deserves. You know, like I she's just she deserves it, and I just can't seem to 
to give her that that love that she needs, you know. Yeah, it's always been a problem. Yeah. Priorities, man. What are your priorities? I don't know. I I don't don't have to think about it so much when you're just in a cloud of of Valium? Yeah. Yeah, well not Valium for me so much, but uh Yeah. I mean definitely my priority priorities are screwed up big time. Yeah. Uh, selfish, just become so selfish. And, hmm, I don't know, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this, but. <laughs> but yes. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you my story about when I embarrassed myself in front of Ron Haviv, the photographer. Ron Haviv is, was, I saw an interview with him on the Charlie Rose show like 15 years ago, and it was the first time that it planted the seed of like, maybe that's something I would want to do. Because Ron Haviv, you probably haven't heard of him, but he's he's a New York photographer, and he, like, he, for example, like, George Bush Sr. invaded Panama on his photos, like, as a major part of why he did that. And he, and he, he George Bush even says that in, in a speech right before they invaded Panama. He says, you guys saw these photos, by the, like, he says it in the speech. He, he played us the clip when we were at the, at the course, right? He... He had he testified in five war crimes tribunals about Serbia, about war crimes in the Serbian war. And his photos were used as evidence. Of, like, this is like, wow. like, my photography changed the world. Jean-Luc Godard made a film about one of his photos. Yeah. <laughs> one photo? A yeah. whole film about one photo? It's a short film. What's his name? <laughs> Ron Haviv, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd love to tell you all about him, but anyway... He, I respect him so much. Like when I found out he was the one going to be hosting the, or doing the course, like he was leading the thing. I was just, uh, in in Chiang Mai. He, he, I was just so. It was in away. Chiang Mai. Like yeah. Was, oh wow. Yeah. So there's Ron Haviv and Gary Knight, and Gary Knight's also one of the most famous photojournalists in the world. He's covered Afghanistan for like 25 years and stuff. So, um, at the so okay, so we do the. We do the whole thing, and right at the end we had a big dinner, and then the he he was kind of standing there, and I, I'm like, I always wanted to ask him this because <clears throat> I saw there's a, there's this movie I really like called uh, The Hunting Party. Have you ever seen this movie with Richard Gere? No. And it's about j- journalists in the war in Serbia and Sarajevo and stuff, which Ron Haviv was at the forefront of. He's like he, he's the, he's mm. his photos are probably some of the most famous photos of that of that time. And um, in the movie, there's a scene that always I thought was strange because in it, Richard Gere, he plays a a journalist who gets drunk on the job because he's so disillusioned with the war and ends up getting fired from whoever he was working for. And then he says, he's like doing a voiceover narration and he says, and then I found myself in the position where, um, where every, what every photo every journalist thinks like is the scum of the earth is like when you when you have to come to a war zone on your own dime with no with no support from any kind of news organization or anything and i and i said i, I said ron aviv like hey have you seen this movie you know because th- there's journalists who play parts in this movie that are his actual friends like people that were actually there they do cameos in this movie like sebastian younger you guys ever heard of him he wrote the perfect storm 
that movie with George Clooney. He's and he's done all this work in Afghanistan. He's he's in the movie, right? He's friends with Ron Haviv. So I'm like, he's like, actually, no, I haven't I haven't seen it, but I know what it is. I'm like, yeah, because because there's this part in it where where Richard Gere says, you know, journalists who come to a war zone on their own dime are a piece of shit. Are pieces of shit. And Ron Haviv just looks at me. He's like, he's from New York. He's got a real biting like sense of humor. He goes, what are you trying to say? Like, I go, no, I'm just saying in the movie, Richard Gere says this. He goes, he goes, you're calling me a piece of shit. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Ron, no. Like, I should have just stopped at, right at the point where he said he hadn't seen it. But I'm like, I'm going to try to explain it to him. And then I'm like, no, Ron, I'm not saying you're... He's like, you know, that's exactly what I do, right? Like, that's exactly my job <laughs> that I've done for, like, 20 years or more is to go to war zones well, on my own money. He's like... What's your most embarrassing moment is? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. No, they, they said one out yeah. And I'm just horrified. Like, I'm just... <laughs> and the whole class is standing there. And then everyone's going, oh, Nate's dug himself into this horrible hole, this terrible hole. And I'm trying to dig myself out of it. And I'm like, Ron, no, that's not what I was trying to say. I'm trying to know, like, how could that line have been written? And without, like, how could they be so ignorant? How come people, your friends who were in the movie didn't, like, speak up? Have you ever heard of, like, that? And But he had none of it. And I'm, as soon as I tried to say that, he goes to Gary Knight, who's, like, uh, he's, like, off in another part of the compound we're on. He's like, hey, Gary! Gary, <laughs> listen to what Nate says we're pieces of shit! <laughs> Nate says our whole, he's come to this thing, this whole, like, you understand what photojournalism is, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, Ron, and then he, and he's, he's kind of going, he's like, I'm just kidding you, buddy, I'm just kidding you. Like, I'm just joking. But then he's like, hey, Gary, Nate said, you know, he's, you gotta hear what Nate said. You gotta hear what Nate said about us. I'm like, I did not fucking say that. And then two minutes later, he was like, thanks for coming, guys, I gotta get out of here, I've got a thing to do. I'm like, Ron. That can't be the last thing that I. You're only ever gonna remember the guy that said you're that you think called you a piece of shit. And he's like, probably, <laughs> probably, like yeah, I probably will. He's like, nobody's ever said that to me. I'm like, man, I just made such a mess of that that I. I mean, for a guy like I said with who suffers from such anger to go home after that Aww. was absolutely the worst like i mean i still to this day i, I think i stopped following him on like instagram and stuff because every time <laughs> oh, he came up i mean i love your photos ron haviv you're you're a god to me you are, are a god to me but man i just i i'm so embarrassed about what happened i, I can't can't even look at his photos anymore i just well that's why when you we're talking about asking good questions one of the things is you got to expect some of those good questions are going to be going to really suck yeah <laughs> Yeah, agreed, probably, agreed. You probably got it. You probably still laughing about that. You probably uh, still that stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. He probably he's remembers like, you, though. I mean, when he probably doesn't remember those other ten, yeah, nine people. Yeah. He remembers me. That's for sure. Aww. That's for sure. I don't. I think you're. Yeah, I chalk that up to a win. I yeah. I honestly, I think that's more of a win than, uh, than anything else. Yeah. I feel extremely upset now that I've just brought that up. I <laughs> go home and cry for a while tell us one more inspirational story about how Degrassi <laughs> shaped your life in a positive way yeah yeah that, that was a good show <laughs> that was a good show honest to god I think that I think you nailed it I don't think I'm sure he's not sitting there thinking like 
wow, maybe I'm an asshole because this one guy <laughs> brought up this. You know, I'm sure he doesn't. He was not negatively impacted by that whatsoever. I, I think he's thinking this guy doesn't even. This guy doesn't know anything. Like he doesn't know anything about I'm photography, thinking, or sure he doesn't even know what we do. This poor kid uh, just stuck his foot yeah, in his mouth I think so that's, bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I hope. But. I am sure. I am one. Yeah, I'm positive. He, uh, as a, if you can't get to his level of fame and notoriety without receiving a lot of criticism, Maybe, probably. And yeah. I think he can tell the difference between. <laughs> an innocent, stupid comment and uh, a, a, a malicious yeah. or anything. Yeah, I'd like to hear him tell the story. That's what yeah, I mean, me too. I'd love it. Me I'm too. sure he'd start it. This poor kid was yeah. trying so hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, once again, if he ever happens to hear this, Ron Haviv, I think you are a goddamn inspiration. Aww. And your photos are world-changing well, hey, we'll your work is important yeah. <laughs> and if you're ever in Chiang Mai yeah. you can you're welcome to come tell your side of the story yes please we'll reach out yeah we'll I did notice right after that too that um seven the seven photography workshops changed their rule that uh and they 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 don't actually allow Canadians into any of the there's only <laughs> no, like a joking. list of a, no there's there's a list they they impl- implemented a list of like You're 15 Canadian? countries that they yeah I am oh well, uh, no, go, go, here he goes what what is are these what countries are they they're, they're like countries that it's you know that aren't Western nations that uh, like he, they want to help they're having them in Chiang Mai and Sarajevo in Africa they want to help help people who might not have the opportunity to to go to a course like that uh, hmm. you know hmm. and, and which I think is a good a good thing I, I just I was just joking I mean I didn't, didn't think they really changed it on my like... what are any more Canadians <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's yeah. it <laughs> Well, we'd like to really thank you for taking the time to come Guys, and speak with us. It's been a real so pleasure. Much. It went by so fast. I, I can't believe that that happened. I really thank you for having me here. It was Thanks our so pleasure. Much for coming. Yes. And thank you for making a special guest appearance. Yes. yes. <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> That's my kid. <laughs> <Okay. Bye. laughs>